FMCSA is out with its latest statistics about trucks involved in fatal crashes. There were more crashes in 2016 than in 2015, so fleets need to continue to take steps to ensure they're operating in a safe manner. Welcome to Truck Talk with Bendix, a regular podcast series from Bendix designed to help you better understand key topics in the commercial trucking industry. I'm your host, Denise Rondini. Joining me to talk about the best way to ensure stopping distance performance is Keith McComsey, Director of Marketing and Customer Solutions at Bendix Spicer Foundation Break. It's great to speak with you, Keith. It's great to be back on Truck Talk, Denise. Thank you. The FMCSA data shows that the number of fatal accidents involving trucks is up, but the agency also found that in 73% of the cases, something encroached on the truck's lane prior to the crash. Clearly, the truck driver cannot control the behavior of other drivers or stop animals from darting out in front of them. But there are some steps fleets can take when it comes to improving stopping distance performance. Keith, let's do a quick review of the stopping distance requirements for commercial vehicles. Back in 2011, the federal mandate came out that reduced stopping distances in an effort to improve truck safety on the roadways uh, as accidents uh, increased year over year prior to that. So the stopping distance requirements were then reduced to 250 feet for various vehicles. And those vehicles in 2011 were limited to 6x4 tractors that were roughly under 60,000 gross vehicle weight rating. Phase 2 to that came in 2013, which then applied to all remaining tractor configurations in order to comply with the 250 feet for stopping distance. OEMs are specking reduced stopping distance friction on trucks, which helps them to stop in the federally mandated distance. Yet, not all fleets are doing like-for-like replacement when it comes to brakes. Why is there confusion in the market about RSD friction? The confusion doesn't necessarily lie on the OEM side when it comes to the truck or tractor when it's first built and then received because the vehicle meets all those requirements when it's manufactured, which are specifically spelled out in FMVSS 121. Where the confusion really lies is that uh, it's in the aftermarket side of it, what the brake friction material is for the end user of the fleet, what it needs to be. So there's a section in FMCSA regulation, it's called 393.40. This outlines uh, really for the fleets what their vehicle should operate under. The way this regulation is outlined is that the service brake needs to meet requirements for FMVSS 121, uh, which were in effect at the time the vehicle was manufactured. So as these things change, so does the requirements for the braking system changes for the fleet and maintaining it. So this would include meeting things like stopping distance requirements or park hold, etc. Since phase one, RSD being implemented in 2011 and followed up again in 2013 for the remaining versions, fleets then had a mix of non-RSD and RSD vehicles within their fleet that they would be servicing. So some of these vehicles would be serviced like a non-RSD and others need to be serviced like an RSD vehicle. This is where they may not have understood or been able to distinguish between the vehicles as they're being serviced and that they should have a unique friction from one another uh, associated with each vehicle. Fleets may just be requesting replacement brake shoes by say FMSI code uh, for the brake and then could be making a friction decision purely based on cost without really understanding that there's a significant impact to the performance if it wasn't understood or even the question was asked at the time they're buying the friction material. So it's really Bendix's position that the the best way for fleets to 
to meet that regulation is really to maintain the OEM brake performance by replacing like-for-like OEM friction. Why is it important that when replacing brakes on a truck equipped with RSD friction that the fleet replace with RSD? Well, that really has a significant importance. The OEs and the OEM brake suppliers like Bendix have really involved uh, together in a significant amount of testing in order to prove that the brake system as a whole meets the 121 requirement for RSD. This involves testing such as dyno testing, park testing, uh, winter testing, full vehicle stopping distance tests, uh, etc. So all of these things are taken into account when the brake systems are certified to meet 121 for really all of the OEMs of available vehicle combinations or configurations. Keeping that like-for-like RSD performance provides the fleet and the drivers the confidence really that the vehicle performance more or less remains unchanged. If you think about it for a second, if you were a driver and your truck just had its brakes replaced and suddenly it no longer meets that stopping distance requirement, that would be very concerning to me as a driver. So for example, Bendix is showing in stopping distance testing that 60 miles an hour, uh, that if you're using non-RSD aftermarket friction, that it can increase your stopping distance by up to 96 feet uh, when you compare that to the original Bendix OEM friction. So if you think about it, if you suddenly add 96 more feet to your stop, that could really pose some problems in certain situations. If we take a second and put that into perspective, here's really what 96 feet uh, is the equivalent of. Uh, it's the equivalent of six and a half car lengths, can be equivalent to nearly two and a half school buses, nearly up to one and a half times the length of a tractor-trailer combination. So as a driver of a truck, or even just your daily driving in your car, if you can imagine that your stopping distance was somehow increased uh, when you took it in for service by 50%, you'd probably take that back in for service thinking there was something wrong. In reality, increasing your stopping distance can easily take a near miss and then turn those into accidents that just involve property damage or they can be much worse by increasing the severity of the accident by injuring somebody or worse yet even causing a fatality due to the increased impact velocities uh, by increasing your stopping distance. With that said, are there other risks to choosing friction that does not meet FMVSS 121 or reduce stopping distances? Denise, that's a great question because if fleets decide to replace friction with aftermarket friction that reduces the brake's performance, they really run the risk of being held liable if they're involved in an accident. Maybe some of the questions that a legal team might ask as they're trying to investigate an accident would be, does the fleet use OEM or do they use aftermarket brake components? And that question is important because typically non-OEM parts don't go through the same rigorous testing as OEM parts do, specifically when you're talking about safety components. Another question might be, did the fleet manager pick from a portfolio of parts that were categorized as good, better, or best? And did they choose the safest or the best part? So the best way to avoid potential liability as a result of picking your brake friction really is to maintain OEM like for like, and this will help keep your vehicle's brake performance where it should be at. So how does a technician know he's dealing with an RSD brake? Well, as I explained a little bit earlier, when RSD was implemented, it was really defined around the two phases. So that first phase was really centered around vehicles that were 59,600 pounds GVR, and that started in 2011, and 2013 covered all the rest of the configurations for tractors. But some easy questions that one could ask themselves to determine that would be, the first question, is it a truck or a tractor? 
tractor. And so if it's not a tractor, then it doesn't require reduced stopping distance or RSD friction. Uh, if it is a tractor, then you would go to this next question, which is what year was it manufactured? And so if it was manufactured in 2011 after August 1st, then it could require RSD and it depends on what that GVR rating is. Um, if it was after 2013, then it does require uh, RSD brakes. Let's switch gears a bit and talk about air disc brakes and the role they play in stopping trucks safely. Certainly. So air disc brakes really provide an improved level of safety on the roads for a number of reasons. They exceed the mandated stopping distances by nearly 20%. So the mandated stopping distance is 250 feet. So that's 50 feet shorter than the required mandated stopping distance required by the federal government. They also provide a much shorter stopping distance than drum brakes that are already meeting RSD requirements. So this is roughly by 20 to 25 feet at 60 miles an hour and are even much shorter than drum brakes at uh, higher speeds. Air disc brakes can also provide even shorter stopping distances when you put them on more axles. If you just have air disc brakes on your front steer, you'll, you'll gain a benefit of shorter stopping distances versus drum. But if you add those also onto your drive axles, which a lot of manufacturers are going to that as being the standard for all-wheel air disc brake uh, on their vehicles, uh, that provides a much shorter stopping distance compared to drum brakes. And lastly, if you add air disc brakes to your trailer, uh, that helps provide overall uh, lower stopping distance than, than all drum uh, tractor and trailer. They also virtually eliminate brake fade. So brake fade is when uh, on a drum brake, uh, you incorporate a lot of heat into the system and the drum starts to expand away from the brake friction. And this typically has the vehicle stopping at a longer stopping distance since the brake torque or the friction is coming into contact less and less with the drum. So as the brakes heat up, this typically happens in, say, stop and go traffic or mountain descents uh, where the driver is utilizing the brakes a lot and that's adding that heat into the system. So drum brake become a little bit inconsistent as the system heats up uh, and they'll start to provide longer and longer stopping distances versus when they were cool. Now, air disc brakes virtually eliminates that brake fade because they manage the heat much better and also the way the rotor is designed, it expands towards the friction rather than away from the friction like a drum does. So it remains consistent in its stopping distance uh, over and over and over no matter how hot the system gets. They provide much more consistent brake stopping that the driver could be confident in time over time on stopping. And then lastly, they virtually eliminate brake steer. So brake steer tends to come into play if there's some differences in pressures from side to side or contact between friction material and the drum from side to side and it introduces steer into the system and air disc brakes virtually eliminates that and provides a much more balanced stop compared to drum brakes. I've been speaking with Keith McComsey, Director of Marketing and Customer Solutions at Bendix Spicer Foundation Break. Keith, it was nice chatting with you again. Thank you, Denise, and I appreciate you having me on. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Play and discover how Bendix Solutions can help you improve performance, increase safety, and lower your total cost of ownership. You can also log on to knowledge-doc.com. That's knowledge-doc.com, or you can learn more about Bendix products and hear previous episodes of this podcast. I'm Denise Rondini, and thank you for joining us for Truck Talk with Bendix. Bendix.